Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Right now, it's just one guy at a mic, the coach flying solo today. Welcome, everybody. Two guys at a mic show indeed here on your 24-7 internet extravaganza, the talkzone.com. we got lots to talk about today. Baseball on the docket. New players uh, making things at least a little bit interesting for your Chicago White Sox and your Chicago Cub here in the beautiful city of Chicago. The NBA draft not far away. Euro Soccer Championships College World Series Wimbledon live from the All England Lawn Tennis and let us not forget Croquet Club. Got that up on the screen right now. We got lots to talk about. We'll jump off the sports page as well. And David also we got to talk about the fact our favorite TV show is only a few weeks away from not debuting but uh, reintegrating. Our media species. What the hell does that mean? A little bit of music, and then we'll kick the sucker off. Thank you very much. On the other side of the glass, producer extraordinaire, Senor David Olson. Playing the tunes that you always want to hear, and many of the tunes that you probably prefer not to hear. But whatever the case might be, 888-463-6748, the phone number if you want to chime in. Pigskin boy Charlie Colbert, our good friend of the program, going to be joining us in just a little bit. Big Dog is off today. Now, whenever I say that, usually I get a couple of texts or tweets or emails saying that the Big Dog is, is basically is off every day. And he is. He's, he's off in a lovable way, and he... he He's been particular for an off guy. He's been particularly on of late. Last week and a half. The best of the big dog. If we ever come out with that CD and we're still looking, you know, you've got to have the top ten highlights. Well, the guy's been on the air now for nine years. We're still looking for a top ten. But I think we're up to seven. But the last week and a half, he's been on. A guy that's normally off. And he's still off. But he's been on. And part of the beauty of his being off is when he's on. He's off the best when he's on. Thank you very much for transcripts of today's show. You can write us here at thetalkzone.com, 5625 Dempster Street or whatever the hell it's called, in Morton Grove, Illinois. Transcripts available. Thank you. All right. Uh, we got lots going on. And also, uh, David, somewhere along the show, we got to mention uh, the, the, the Supremes. The guys on the Supreme Court, very active summerage for them. they got the big uh, health care decision coming up. But a uh, little activity coming out of the black robes yesterday from the Supreme Court judges. We'll see if anybody out there, uh, you know, wants to do a little sports guys talk politics. That's one of our shows. We might even bring it up with the pigskin boy, Charlie Colbert. So we got a lot on the docket. But real quick, Dave, before um, pigskin boy joins us, Breaking Bat. We have not mentioned that show for about three, four months now. You got me hooked on it. Became my favorite show. I think three seasons are done. It's been off forever. It feels like. Yeah, it's been off since last summer, I think it is. Oof. And it comes back in uh, two weeks from this Sunday, July Man. 15th. Remember when TV shows used to take breaks and it was a season, a summer? 
or a it was like two or three months. Now we're talking a year. Well, we're we're talking about you know the the cable drama. Uh, you know whether it's the pay it's the pay side or the free side. Yep. Uh, they seem to do that. They come back every year. I mean they're gone for you know. They'll do their summer run, and they'll be gone till next summer. I mean, some shows, it's even longer than that. It was something like 18 months in between seasons of Mad Men. Mm -hmm. Sopranos, I think, was one of the first ones to take long breaks. Mm -hmm. I remember yeah. I never felt such angst that when Glee season one ended, and I had to wait for season two to start. I was, a big Glee, I was one of the early Glee fans. Now, I jumped off the boat after about uh, two seasons. It lost me. But I was an early Glee clicker, so I'm not I'm not uh, you know too embarrassed in my male testosterone to uh, admit that. But at any rate, Breaking Bad is going to be back up when in July? July fifteenth, two <laughs> weeks from this Sunday, uh, and it's considered part one of the final season. Yes, there are only sixteen episodes left, and it's going to be two eight episode seasons. Okay. Uh, I think they're doing you know the first one this summer, and mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken, they're going to do the next one next summer. So you're going to get it for two months, and then it's going to be gone oh, for ten man, months, and then come back. So it's an all psychological thing here. So that they're calling this eight series thing part one of the finale. Really, it's it's season four. No, you it's, could, uh, actually season five, I believe it is. Well, whatever. So it's not really the finale. We're going to get eight, no, 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 eight but more shows. But yeah, it's, I mean, from here on out. They're gearing towards the end. Mm -hmm. It's like, and that's usually when shows get really, really good. It's like, okay, here's our end point. Anything goes from here on. We're going to get from point A to point B to finish our story. Yeah, interesting. I wonder if they're, they might be talking to Theo Epstein of the Chicago Cubs, maybe correlating the making and the producing and the debuting of Breaking Bad with, you know, the Cubs turnaround while things are bad. You know, they're going to get the shows in and then stretch it out a little bit. And then for the Breaking Bad fans and the Cub fans like myself, if they stretch it out long enough by the time the finale of Breaking Bad comes, who knows? The Cubs might be breaking good. I think it's a collusion between the two. What the hell do I know? Who produces you, you Breaking right. Bad? Who's the writer? Uh, the guy's name is Vince Gilligan. Oh, yes. He's one sick and sordid dude. And I say that only in the nicest way, like when I call Big Dog off. I say that in the nicest way, but Vince Gilligan, because that show, that show really went off the deep end. Now, one of my other favorite shows had a finale yesterday, very disappointing. The Big C, with my girl Laura Linney, David Olson, giving me the grimace out there. Any TV fans, little sports guys, talk media here. If you got a favorite TV show that's been off for a while, or maybe about to go off, or uh, you're a fan of Breaking Bad, or like me, The Big C, uh, which is Laura Linney, who has uh, cancer. And it's the story of her fighting through the cancer. It's it's part comedy and part drama. Very well done Showtime series. If you want to check in, comment here. We'd love to hear from you. Triple eight four six three sixty seven forty eight. As with most of the Showtime comedies, because we have all the cable channels now, because we went back to DirecTV and they gave us everything for six months. So we're sampling everything that we haven't seen. Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, the Big C was one of the things that we sampled and said, Nah, we don't want to watch it. All right. Different strokes for different folks. You can't, uh, you know, the, the taste buds uh different and, for everybody. And, yeah, and strangely, I mean, it, 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 I kind of feel the same way about basically everything on Showtime except for Homeland. Um, it's all the, you know, all of their shows are not, they're like, 
they're comedies, but they're not comedies. Mm-hmm. You know, they've all got the same feel. To, you know, the Big C, United States of Terra, Shameless, Californication. They're all mm-hmm. kind of. They all kind of bleed together. House of Lies is the other one. They all kind of like bleed together. Is Dexter a Showtime? Dexter is also Showtime. Okay. Now, see, I've never seen any of those. To be honest, I've never seen a Dexter. Dexter, for the first <laughs> two seasons, was as good as anything on TV, and then the wheels kind of came off the wagon, and each season has been progressively worse. Mm-hmm. Now there was a. Because they're starting, I think it's going to be season seven this year. Uh, season one, fantastic. Season two, good. Season three, terrible. Season four, had its moments. Season five, terrible. Season six, didn't even watch it. This is it. Dexter you're talking about. This is okay. Dexter. That, I this can honestly Dexter. say I've never seen, I've never even watched, Turned. I haven't even watched two minutes. The only Dexter I've seen is when they preview it or premiere it or advertise it on other shows yeah i am a like i say michael c hall right yeah michael c hall is he monty hall's son i don't believe so just check don't believe so just check that one i would take i would take a pass on but if Mm -hmm. you do decide to sample it watch the first two seasons and then walk away Mm -hmm. because i mean the premise in itself really isn't sustainable but they keep finding ways you know to keep it going i know i I mean yeah because you know you know the premises right and uh, well i know he's uh, uh He's a he's a serial killer, okay, but he was raised by a policeman who taught him. All right, well, you know, it's who you are, it's in your nature. I can't change that, but I can steer you in a path where you're only going to kill the guilty. So he works as a blood spatter uh, expert in the police forensics department. So he knows all the ins and outs, and he knows how not to get caught. So what he does is he finds the people that slip through the cracks in the system. Interesting. And he kills and he kills those so people. He kills the bad guys. Kills the bad guys. So yeah. he's a somewhat sympathetic figure, somewhat. If you can overlook the fact that he's a serial killer, <laughs> yeah. not totally unlike our guy in Breaking Bad, who's a somewhat sympathetic figure. If you could I, overlook see, the fact now, that he now, makes now with that, life. now with that, I don't find him sympathetic at all. No. Okay. No. At all. A- at first. At first, but he has become a terrible, terrible person, and he's the villain. Mm-hmm. He is the villain. And I mean, you kind of forget that as it goes along because you tra- you're rooting for this guy, but he's destroying every single person in his orbit. Everybody. Uh, for, all for selfish reasons. All for selfish reasons. I mean, uh, the saying goes, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. He's driving right down the middle of that road going 50 miles an hour, <laughs> steamrolling everybody that gets yeah, in his way. Yeah, swerving a little bit and knocking yeah. down just about every orange uh, cone in the way. Now, do you think in the, uh, the, the you know the part one of the two-part finale as opposed to part four and then the actual finale, but um, what are the odds he's going to come, Vince Gilligan, the uh, producer, the creator, the director, the writer, is going to make him come full circle and it will have a quote-unquote happy ending? I don't think there's any way this story can have a happy ending. I mean, if anybody's going to have a happy em- ending, it'll be Jesse. But but Walt, he's doomed. Uh-huh. He's doomed. All right, well, check it out, folks. Now, if you're interested in getting hooked on a TV show, Breaking Bad, coming, uh, 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 starting again in July. But in this day and age, you can watch on Hulu. You can go to a, probably a library or, or a and get back DVDs. I don't know if yeah, you can yeah, watch. Yeah, yeah, no, you'll be able to find all the DVDs on your local library. Um, okay. 
AMC has a lot of them on demand too, and you know, and you never even saw the first season, so you didn't nope. see how everything started getting nope. revved up. Yep, that's worth going back to just to see how everything got mm-hmm. rolling. It's really interesting to see where he started from, how he originally hooked up with Jesse, and mm-hmm. you know how he got from like a small time, you know, cooking from in the middle of the desert to being hooked up with the drug kingpin. Mm-hmm. So it's it's worth checking out those first couple seasons. I may I may have to do that if I can find some spare time. And the TV watching habits, of course, we've talked about this on the show in the not too distant future. It's already here for the most part, but in the not too distant future, and I mean the next two, three, five years at most, it's going to be fairly commonplace to watch. A TV show anytime you want, basically. The days of, what, Tuesday at 7 o'clock, I can only watch show Monday at 6, and then i got to go on demand. Though those days are rapidly diminishing. You'll be able to watch any show you want, anytime. You'll be able to catch a whole series on your TV slash computer slash media enterprise. Well, I mean, it's it, that's actually basically here. I mean, uh, it, 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 I mean, they still say, okay, it's going to premiere at this time, but there's no way, I mean... Until they do away with broadcast television altogether, mm-hmm. what you're talking about is is already here. For example, one of the cool things I've got with the direct package is I've got a thing called HBO Go. And I can go into this and I can get every single episode from every single season of every HBO show they ever did. Wow. So wow, it's like, but HBO Go is a extra charge, obviously. No, no if you really? have HBO, it's free. Wow. If you have HBO, it's free. You just need to have a, a streaming device that you can access it through. Ah, the old streaming device. And that device is available here from the two guys at a mic show for nineteen ninety nine. If you purchase that streaming device, we will throw in the amazing pocket fisherman. It slices, it dices, it cuts hands, ears, fingers, teeth. Well, all you, have to, well you need to either need a smart TV, uh, you need a PC hooked up to your television, or you need like an Xbox or a PS3. Yeah. I, I stream it through my Xbox. Right. So it's still somewhat a work in progress, I mean, but it is potentially available, like you said. But my point is, within two, three, five years, you're not going to have to be a technological surgeon to know all this. Some of what you just said confused me and probably some of the others. I think it will be commonplace. If somebody wants to watch Breaking Bad, they'll just be able to go on whatever... Right now we call it on demand, whatever the telecommunicative uh, name they come up with. But you'd be able to watch shows anytime. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and it's it's. I think your time frame is right on because everything is going streaming. Mm-hmm. Every you know the the hard, yeah. the hard copy is go is going away rapidly. Yep, yep. There you go. Eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight. Little sports guys talk media to kick off the. Uh, program today if you're just joining us the big dog off today he will be back in tomorrow by the way david olsen there's a slight chance that i will not be in uh, tomorrow possibly attending the chicago sky they got a midday game tomorrow that's the uh, women's wnba but we got lots to talk about here chicago cub fans you got a new player coming in town his name is anthony MacArthur rizzo and he will be making his opening appearance today so we got to talk about that the nba draft coming up uh, yeah, the NHL draft was a couple days. The uh, uh, let's see, you got hockey. The NFL draft, you know, it goes on forever. But at least the first round or the first couple rounds have some level of uh, interest. Uh, the baseball draft, 
I used to that used to be a schnoozer too. It's becoming a little bit more. But clearly, the sexiest of all the drafts, the most fun to watch, I think, is the NBA draft. And uh, you know what can be sexier than watch David Stern come up to the microphone to announce each and every pick in the first round? That's just uh, you know just a highlight. And then you see the six foot eleven inch guy that's speaking no English come out in his nice suit. Shake hands with the David Stern and then get interviewed and smile for the cameras and we have absolutely no idea what he's saying. Thank you very much. But uh, so we got that on the docket. We got Wimbledon tennis going on. We've got uh, the College World Series. Arizona knocked off South Carolina yesterday, four to one. We got any college baseball fans out there? Uh, you want to talk about the World Series? And congrats to the Arizona Wildcats. They are your NCAA champions. That's right out there on the docket. The Miami Heat held their uh, parade yesterday. Not sure why it took them that long, but they held the parade. And uh, we'll talk to our next guest here about the fact, I think, didn't they hold a parade, a controversial parade, when they signed LeBron? Right? No, 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 no. They had, a, they had like, basically a championship rally yeah, at the okay. arena okay. before they even Which played a game together. Which turned a lot of people off. So yep. this, 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 this yep. at least was a legit parade. All right, so yep. we got all that on the docket. Baseball, first and foremost, folks, 888 Four eight, the phone number. You want to check in with the two guys in a mic show? We'd love to hear you. Right now, one of our uh, special guests. He joins us every so often, on occasion, but uh, you know the heart lingers as the days go on, and we get to talk to him now. It's been a while. The pigskin boy during football season. It's not really football season right now, but it is Charlie Colbert, better known to his female fans as Pigskin Boy, joining us on the show. Peg, how are you? I'm doing great, but I got to correct you, John. It's Uh-oh. always football season. <laughs> Uh, sad but true. Sad but true. The NFL Network is uh, 24-7, 365, right? Oh, yeah. We just watched the first episode of Hard Knocks Jacksonville Jaguars. Stop it. Stop. I hope uh, you're hard. kidding. Episode 4, Hard Knocks Dallas Cowboys, Hard Knocks Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> with, with, with the great uh, Herm Edwards is the head coach of the great Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I love me a Herm Edwards. I like him better as a coach than I do as a um, prognosticator, not prognosticator, but as a commentator. But uh, if you're spending your summer days, big dog watching, or big dog, uh, pigskin watching reruns of some of the old hard knocks, you are definitely an addicted football fan. Seek medical attention immediately. Oh, I could give you the lineup of the of the uh, 2008 Dallas Cowboys if you got time, <laughs> including, including the including the now great receiver from the Rams, Danny Amendola, not to be confused with the defense attorney. Oh, the man with the, arguably the most vowels and a last name in NFL history. Well, uh, I I don't think we particularly want to go over the 2008 Dallas Cowboys lineup, but uh, as long as you got me peaked on football a little bit. We'll stick we with can the, talk about anything, Coach. We'll stick with the Pigskin Boy theme here just a little bit. And uh, right here in Chicago, a lot of people are getting somewhat excited about the Chicago Bear team, which might, actually might, have a legitimate passing game this year. Uh, uh, Charlie Colbert, and I guess the offensive line will be the key to that. But uh, your excitement level, and again, we temper it by the fact that it's June 26th today. Very excited. Um, I, I like the. Um, I thought a big problem was Mike March. They rid themselves of that problem. Uh, acquired a a a Pro Bowl legitimate number one star receiver, which they have not had since uh, Dick Gordon, <laughs> or at wow. least at, at least uh, Johnny Morris. That hurts. Um, really, a, a star, a guy 
guy who's, who Jay Cutler is really happy with. Um, I mentioned to Joel when you were off a couple of weeks ago that I like their free agent pickups that filled needs, not only needs on defense, and um, but also uh, phase three, which is special teams, which has always been a bear strength. You know, you got to remember, a lot of guys the Bears pick up, don't dismiss them as, oh, I don't know who he is, yada, yada. You've got to have special teams players to succeed in this league. You can't mm-hmm. just throw that aspect away. So there are some guys that have picked up that may not have gone under the radar that will be on special teams to replace those they've lost. And uh, I think they're going to have a great one-two combination of Matt Forte and uh, uh, Michael Bush. I'm a big Michael Bush fan, big fan. And you'll see Forte in the opening opening game, and he'll be fine. Yeah, I'm not quite so confident about that. Matt Forte contract talks have one of the things we tried to avoid talking about, uh, Pigskin Boy, just makes me boil over a little bit too much when a player is not satisfied with a $7 million contract, but uh, you allude to the fact that the Bears' a passing game will be a lot more um, dynamic this year, a lot more. I, you know, I always judge it by when it, when other teams play. How do they how do they look at you? And I, always, I would argue in previous years when other teams' defensive coordinators gathered for Bear Week, other teams now, and they had to plan against the Bear offense I'm not saying it was an easy week, but it was one of the easier weeks of the season for them because of the blandness of our offense. This year, a little more sizzle, hopefully, to the Chicago Bear offensive unit. Well, I think it's a little more practical. Um, one of the problems I had with Marks was is that he did not play into any of Cutler's strength. Um, an eight-step drop with this offensive line was foolish. If you look at Cutler during the San Diego game, the last game we remember him playing and the game before then, what he does better, as good as any guy in the NFL, is run out of the pocket and throw lightning bolts downfield. Um, he was not allowed to do that. He's taken his biggest strength and say you can't do your biggest strength. He took his biggest weakness, which is 12-step drops, and made that one of his strengths, which he was not good at. And you took away his impro- improvising. You were not allowed to call uh, audible. Don't improvise. This is the play. Run it. That's not what Cutler's good at. Cutler's great as John Elway was at getting out of the pocket and making things happen. And if you look at the film and you look at what he did in his last couple of games when he was, I think, as good as any quarterback in the NFL last year before he broke his thumb was improvising because he has got such a great arm him and Elway and those guys can do things like that because of their arm. Last year was his second or third year with the Bears? Second year, right? Second year, second coordinator. Yeah, well, it, uh, yeah, you bring up offensive coordinators. We're all excited now that Mike Tice is the new coordinator. But And I brought this up on the show before. Let us not remember three, four years ago we were all excited that Mike Martz came in to replace the incredibly bland Ron Turner. When Ron Turner came in, we were all excited about Ron Turner because he was replacing the unbelievably incompetent John, no, Terry O'Shea. And when Terry O'Shea came in, we were just happy. We didn't know who the hell he was, but we were happy his name wasn't John Shopes. So the <laughs> offensive coordinating for the Chicago Bears, Pigskin, the team that you love so much, and football fans, uh, we're not going to spend the whole time on it, but a little football talk here, 888-463-6748, uh, 888-463-6748, the phone number. Big dog, the, or, uh, big dog. <laughs> Pigskin, boy, the offensive coordinators for the team that you love so much. 
and feel free to disagree, but have been uh, grossly, grossly incompetent over a period that spans more than a decade, correct? The same, the same decade as Cubs managers. Don't, don't rub it in. <laughs> Please, I'm trying to concentrate on one failure at a time. Please. But uh, if you go back to, to John Shoops, that's over 10 years, I think, right? Because Ron Turner was here for six years. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was the old. He was the All right. Now I hate. I hate to bring this up because you know you're right. I, I started to say, well, the Bear offense is going to have more sizzle. It's going to be harder to defend. Your point is well taken. That actually, what Mike Tice is going to do is simplify from what the mad scientist Mike Martz was going to do, and hopefully play to what Jay Cutler's strengths. But please tell me there's not a whole lot of similarities between Ron Turner's offense and Mike Tice's, but they do sound alike. Well, you're talking about many, many years apart. You're talking about a guy who fortunately has been coaching somewhat the offensive line and hopefully will go, we can't run these plays because I know because I just coached the line and I know we can't run these plays. But maybe we can run these plays because I have knowledge of the offensive line. You, you kind of go get my drift coach. I mean, he coached the offensive line, so hopefully he's practical enough to know we can't do this. No, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, maybe. So hopefully he has a little bit more insight as to what they can and can't do mm-hmm. and simplify it. And, um, you know, you were talking about game changers and game planning. Um, you don't really game. Matt Forte is not a game changer. You might game plan, but he's not, he's not a game changer. He's not Chris Johnson. He's not uh, Adrian Peterson. But Brandon Marshall can be a game planner. You got to know where he is every single time he's on the field, and the Bears have not had that, you know, since I don't know when. Eight yeah. Bears, and which makes uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but but having Brandon Marshall, and I still have issues with the off the field stuff. But let's stick with your theme right now, which is correct. Obviously, he's a you know top five wide receiver, and he's a game changer uh, uh, for the defensive coordinator. But that's going to make Earl Bennett, much more dangerous. That's going to make Devin Huster, whatever role they use him, a much better player. That's going to make Ashton Jeffrey, the rookie, a better player. That's going to make Johnny Knox, when he comes back, if he does, a more dangerous player. What Brandon Marshall does, Pigskin, I think, not only does he give Jay Cutler a number one weapon, but he makes all the other guys that much more dangerous. It should, in theory, it should. You know, this is all, this is all theory. Um, but every place he's been, I mean, he's been, if you look statistically, one of the best wide receivers in the league. I didn't realize how good he was. I thought with Miami, because they, it's a very poor team with no quarterbacking, that he just kind of was there. But if, I, statistically, I was really stunned at how, how, how productive he was with no quarterback. I played some games in theory. The Bears in my in theory league were 13-3 and three last year. And your head coach was, in fact, John Theory, was it not? Very good. In theory, yeah. By the way, I've already went over the Bears' schedule for this year, game by game with my NL. I got them going 15-1, and one slip-up. Mid-season at Minnesota, I got the Bears going 15-1. and Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, maybe one slip-up, a, a, a six-overtime loss in three days. Cutler throws for a record 899 yards. Also... <laughs> 15 catches, 400 yards. <laughs> I got that one, too. 
goodness. By the way, I hate to remind everybody, but I do this on occasion. Jay Cutler was very good his last four or five games. Prior to that, we have very short memories here in Chicago when it comes to good things, optimistic things in sports, because we struggle so much, we tend to grasp and hold on to some of the positives. But prior to those five games, the first year and two-thirds, Big Dog, keep calling him Big Dog, Pigskin Boy, uh, and feel free, again, to disagree. Jay Cutler, in my opinion, was bad at times. Uh, he had some good games, but he was definitively inconsistent for his first year and two-thirds. So were those last five games the real Jay Cutler? I'm not convinced just yet. I still remember the first uh, 16 plus the first 24 games he played with the Bears. Well, I'm a big fan. I think when you don't have any time to throw the ball, you're going to get hurt and you're going to be bad. Um. I'm a huge fan, so right. I, I tend to blame others. Okay. I saw a lot of uh, overthrows, a lot of interceptions, but you mentioned getting hit. The one thing, and I, not my favorite guy. I'm starting to like him a little bit more, but overall not my favorite guy by a long shot, Jay Cutler. But one thing you do have to respect after watching the last two years is his toughness because he got hit early and often. I mean, right from game one at opening day against the Packers, he got hit. And uh, rarely, Pigskin, did he take himself out of the game. He always got up and battled through it. Well, you know what, John? you got to remember that, you know, and people forget this. He didn't get hurt because he got sacked. He got hurt tackling somebody. Nah, he got uh, both. Well, yeah, you're talking about the injury. Yes, you're right. The injury was yes. tackling um, yes. the guy out of bounds. Yep. I mean, he's, gonna, he's taking some. Yep. I think he was the most sacked quarterback in the NFL, and he kept popping up. I, think, yep. I agree. I just think he's a tough guy. I know he's not the most likable guy, but you know what? Who cares? Either I one. do. Well, I can think of a lot of guys who are unlikable. With. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a little different than uh, most people. Uh, that, And I would argue, and David Olson, you've got a little better perspective on this. You know, those of us that tend to be too entrenched into the sports talk world, we tend to think that the sports fans out there are typical of what we hear on sports talk radio. Well, it's not. That's one segment. You know, and a lot of the sports hosts, I think. Thankfully, I am clean enough of mind, Charlie, to have a proper perspective. Thank you very much as I compliment myself. Most of them are so caught up into their own careers, they think the people they're talking to are symbolic of the average sports fan. They're not. They're not. The ones that listen to sports talk, I mean, to some extent, yes, but there's a lot of fans that don't listen to sports talk that are still sports fans. And what, how does that relate to my point now? Oh, because if you listen to sports talk radio, the, both the host and the people that call in, very few care that much about the person's attitude. It's all about, can they produce? Can they help my team win? And I'm uh, one of the very few. I don't hear this thought process, and I guess the point I brought it up, I'm arguing that maybe there's a lot of people out there that feel similar to I do that maybe aren't sports talk junkies that don't call in to sports talk radio, but I do care. The older I get pigskin, I like to root and have my team win. But you know what? I enjoy rooting for players or teams that are good guys, that I like. That's just me. Yes. Thank you. Yes. I think think most people are, you know, A.J. Brzezinski is is a shining example. Yes. Um, We hate him until he's on our team. I think I'd hate him. And, 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 and you know what? There wasn't other than Isaiah. There wasn't enemy number one more than uh, Dennis Rodman. 
Yep. And the day the Bulls got Dennis Rodman, they they held a parade, and everything was immediately forgotten the first time he had 13 rebounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you remember that, I mean, he I do. Um, by the way, um, uh, speaking of Rodman, Isaiah, for all you listeners out there, if you want a real thrill and a really great hour and a half of your day, um, watch the Dream Team on the uh, NBA channel. It is absolutely the best one and a half hours of television I've seen in two years. What? Uh, what? What? What is it? Is it the Olympic Dream Team? Uh, the Dream Team of '82, I believe. Dave, you might have to help me with this. Um, Got to switch channels here. Um, Rod, was Rodman on that team? No, but I, we were talking. Isaiah was is, is a big part of the whole controversy of the Dream Team. Ah. And Isaiah and Rodman, if you remember, at that time were the most hated villains yeah. in Chicago. And when Rodman came to the Bulls and Krasinski, who was hated with the Twins, came to the White Sox, they were automatically embraced. So that's why I kind of disagree about worrying about the character of the mm-hmm. guy. If they come to your team, they produce. Um, we yeah, like. I don't know about automatically embraced. I think in Denver's Rodman's case, there were a lot of, Skeptics, and we had to get over the fact that he did play for the bad boys. And by the way, I'd add Bill Lambeer and make that a threesome. Yeah, of, yeah, definitely. Yeah, he might yeah. actually be one A, one B, and one C. But I, th- I think what earned the respect of uh, fans like myself, uh, uh, Pigskin, and again, I wasn't never a big fan of Dennis Rodman. I did not like many of the antics that he did, and that doesn't include the dressing up and all that Hollywood stuff. You know, that was different. But you know, kicking a cameraman, that was not cool. But the fact that he played so damn hard and that he didn't have to shoot all the time. And he was a great defensive player, and his rebounding was just so – I think he earned the respect of the fan. I don't think everybody loved him right away. Some did. You're right. But I think the fact that he played so hard despite all the craziness off the court and even some of the antics on the court that he just rebounded and played so hard defensively and did all the little things on the court that basketball fans respect, I think that's where he won over – at least the rest of the fans that didn't uh, take him in right away. Well, he was one of the few athletes in America that could get away with his off-court nonsense, which was just nonsensical. Um, you know, it's it really tough to swallow because of how good he was on the court. You know, I was not a big fan of his either, John. I was not a fan of his. I actually thought, along with that whole bad boys thing, that they were a dirty team. But um, he's also the greatest rebounder in the history of the game at any level, I think. And I never saw a game he played where he didn't give 100%. And the fact that he was the, that kind of a player on the court allowed him to be that kind of a, kind of a knucklehead off the court. <laughs> I don't know if you agree. I, I, yeah. I agree with you. I, I think he's one of the few people that could pull it off. I yeah. mean, if he had on the court, he would have been drummed out of the game. Yeah. Was he doing that, David Olson? Was he doing that all, all on his own? Or do you think, I, I get the feeling some of the guys that are that, off, you know, have a marketing guy behind him. They get the agents talking to. Do you think Rodman had someone like? I get the feeling in Rodman's case, it was it, it was, was all him. It was Madonna that got it. That it, it was when, he, if you remember, when he started dating Madonna, that's when things went up. That's when he took it to a whole other well, level. Yeah, he was crazy before, but you're right. The, the Madonna well, stuff he, took he, it to he, another he level. He was crazy, but it was after her. That was the tattoos and the hair and everything. Yeah. You know, make yourself. Make yourself noticeable. Stand out. And behind every successful man, pigskin boy, there's a woman. Well, so, Dave, what you're telling us is she screwed up A-Rod and Dennis Rodman? (laughs) 
<laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. And you know, th- you know th- thanks to them not clamping down on Dennis Rodman, that's why we've got the you know, we've got the painted men in the NBA now that got to have tattoos from head to head to toe. Which so I think what is we're terrible. learning out of this show today is is that if Madonna dates you, your career is finished. Well. I, I wouldn't say finish. Yeah, I was gonna you say know, or I mean, your career even, Yeah, even even Guy, oh, Guy Ritchie bounced back. So who? Guy Ritchie, oh her yes. husband. Yeah, longtime husband. What did he bounce back from? I haven't heard of a Guy Ritchie in a while. They, they, uh, two very successful Sherlock Holmes films. Two the, very successful who? Sherlock Holmes films. Oh, he's in that. He directed them, wrote them, and directed uh, them. My wife, the the ones that have been just on recently with Robert Downey Jr. Uh, yeah, those my are wife is a big fan. There you have it. Very interesting. All right. All things come around, pigskin boy. 888-463-6748. Big Dog off today. Like I said, Charlie Big Dog is basically off every day, but he's actually not on the phone lines today. But the uh, pigskin boy taking his stead. Um, real quick, just to wrap up the uh, football talk, the uh, won't be long. What, about a month until they had the training camp, pigskin? It's hard to believe, but about a month away, right? Yeah, it is hard to believe, and um, the, the the sport that never goes away just continues to grow and grow. We talked about this last year when the people were going, oh, they're going to strike, and I kept saying, no, they're not. Um, the Yeah, a month away. Um, a couple of uh, – one thing the Bears, for all the fans out there, are really, really good at is signing draft picks. They have signed the last three years every single one of their picks faster than anybody in the NFL. If you notice, Andrew Luck unsigned. Yep. Most major players now are unsigned. Now, they will be signed because there's cap slots, but the Bears are really good at it. Mm-hmm. And I that can't help but to help. And, um, it's our motto for 2012. We, we may be 6-8. and eight. Now, we may be 6-10, and 10, but we sign people quickly. Everybody on board for six yeah. and ten. Yeah. <laughs> um, put, that on the, put that on the Kennedy. <laughs> it's a, there's a marketing tool somewhere. You mentioned striking. Aren't is I'm trying to think. Is it the NFL where the referees may be striking? Well, yeah, they're not signed, and this is this is another of the of the of the of the foolish doom and gloom NFL things. If you think. $10 billion most successful league in history is going to lowball officials. You're nuts. They're not going to do it. Actually, they don't want that much. It's not that big of a deal. This would be like saying, I, I own a billion dollar company. I'm not paying an extra dollar for the train. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they don't have, they have no bargaining power at all. What are you going to do? You're going to train a couple of uh, all state insurance men two weeks before the season and say, hey, Go and officiate this ten billion dollars sport <laughs> with the greatest athletes in the country. You know what? We're willing to make that compromise in safety and integrity. That ain't gonna happen. It'll all get signed. Everybody will be happy. Yeah, it's this funny you said that because uh, I did put an application in. I sent uh, the NFL uh, application in to be a side judge. <laughs> so yeah, it's always been an aspiration of mine. Back even back in the high school days when they were. Asking, you know, what you want to be, you know, some people, lawyers, doctors. Uh, one of my top three things was side judge, NFL. So I yeah, mean, you don't want to be a back judge because no. you got people running at you. At no, absolutely. If you, if, you, if you turn around and a Brandon Marshall, a yeah. Hakeem Nips, you know, sideswipes no. you, no. Um, you know, 
down goes coach. No. Down goes coach. <laughs> Nowhere near the middle of that. The side judge would be a cool job. You get your, what, $80,000, $85,000 per game. Got to watch a little video on Monday or Tuesday. I could live with that. You get to uh, talk to the I'd probably be able to get a few autographs. In between, you're right there with the players. You can commiserate a little bit. You got no chance of getting injured unless you really are like, uh, you know, a Notre Dame coach, Charlie Weiss, and you can't get out of the way. Uh, you don't have to make any critical calls, and then you get, it's cool because they flip you the ball and you get to place the ball down. And if you do blow a call, you get it reversed. Yeah. It's not bad. Not bad. You, too, can be a side judge for all the young kids out there. Uh, give me a call all off air. I'll let you know how to uh, – yeah, there should be, like, a side judge school. At any rate, uh, Pigskin, one month we'll be talking about training camp. Very, very exciting. The offensive line for the Chicago Bears. Hopefully they are in the weight room doing some foot exercises, foot quickness drills, some agility drills, because all the great things we talked about in offense will be for nil if the big guys up front don't block. Absolutely. The key to every team, and this is probably the biggest, along with this defensive secondary, the biggest question mark. Yep. I have a great foot agility drill. Take them out on a really hot day when it hasn't rained for a couple days. Take them out to North Avenue Beach or Oak Street Beach and have the offensive linemen out there in their bare feet on the sand. I guarantee, after about 30 seconds, 45 seconds, again, it hadn't rained for a couple days, make sure it's about 3 o'clock so the sun's been beating down for about 4 or 5 hours. I guarantee you will have some linemen with much lighter feet, Pigskin Boy. Yeah. Okay. I want you to be in charge of it. Yeah. Are you a beach guy at all? Is that in your uh, summer mode? I don't see the pigskin out at a beach, but. Maybe maybe you go to some remote place and jump uh, in the water. Beaches are where sharks sharks live. Well, I don't know. If I'm lake. not. I'm not. You can't tell me that there aren't sharks making their way through the St. Louis Seaway <laughs> right to the right to the beaches at Wilmette, Winnetka, yeah, Montrose, Rainbow Beach. <laughs> you can't yeah. tell me that there aren't great whites sitting out there yeah. waiting for the dinner bell. I probably could tell you, but it doesn't sound like you're ready to believe it. So we'll move on. We'll just. Well, it's safe to say you are not a uh, beach. I hope you're getting your sun rays, though. Got to well, get out. So you got to get it. Last time I saw you, Pigsy, you looked a little pale. You got to get out. I mean, make sure you wear your SPF 30. Don't get any heavier than that. The rest of that is a scam. But you could use a little sun, Pigsy. Get outside. Okay. Well, when it gets a little cooler, we'll get outside. Cooler. Yeah, I'm, kidding I'm, more of a, I'm more of a winter tanning type oh, guy. Wow, that's, I was going to say, for, for summer, and at least here in the Midwest, it's been an absolutely sensational couple of weeks. Today could not be more gorgeous, absolutely beautiful. We hope wherever you're listening to this particular program, the weather is as nice as it is here in Chicago. There's nothing better, nothing better than the summer here in the fine city of Chicago. That's outstanding. Uh, speaking of which, the sport that they play in the summer, pigskin, is baseball. Refresh us again as a baseball guy growing up in Chicago. Are you Cubs or Sox fan? I uh, grew up next to the Cubs, but I'm a White Sox fan. Actually, it's kind of between just waiting for football, but I do like the White Sox over the Cubs. Um, and I'll tell you something interesting, Coach. One of the great sport, Bob Ryan was saying the other day that he saw 1,800 baseball games in his entire life, at least, and has never seen a no-hitter. I have seen under 20 games probably my whole life and have seen three no-hitters. Come on. Five. Are you, I thought you were going to say two. 
Three? Oh, I've seen three live. I can tell you everything that's... about where I sat, who pitched, who hit. Um, wow. That's the story I tell everybody. I've seen a handful of games that have seen three no-hitters live. That's, uh, again, two would have been an unbelievable story. Three is absolutely unconscious. When, excuse me, when is the last no-hitter you saw this year? No, uh, Bert Hooten. Who? Bert Hooten. Bert Hooten. With the Cubs. Holy man, I'm thinking like the last year or two because there's been no, a there's I been, a... been enough games in the last year or two. Wow. No, they go back. I didn't say they were near. I I just said total. But given the amount of games that I've been to, it's a pretty good. You know, don't think of the years, think of the game. Twenty games, and you're what about thirty two years old? So yeah. that's that's like <laughs> give or take, give or take. Uh, and so that's less than one game a year. Note, note to self, bless John Cone. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I, I saw three of them. I saw Ken Holtzman's in 69, Milt Pappas's controversial oh, thing. Oh, you 70. were there. You were live for that, huh? Well, I'll tell you why. And people go, why would you go to the, I mean, it was the Padres. If you remember the first. Nate Colbert. Was Nate Colbert. Come on. And my father went down, and we sat in the front row, and our entire objective was after and before the game, <laughs> give Nate Colbert one of my father's business cards. <laughs> and it was a 120 on a Wednesday. There was nobody there, and that's why we were there. People go, oh, you're, you're making that up, pigskin. That's a fact. And we did do it after the game, and it was a strike. Wow. I remember one of my favorite baseball cards of all time, the Nate Colbert card. One of the all star. He was a star. Oh, I mean, he was a total stud, but also one of the blackest black men I've ever seen. Yeah, he was, and they had those really interesting. Um, let's you you try to describe the color of the Padres in them their days, Juni. You talking about like the brown and yellow? Yeah, off yellowish yep. brown. Yep. Yep. Unfortunately, the team often played to the drabness of the colors. Oh, they were terrible. Yeah, would have been. You know, if you're really good, if you're going to wear bad colors, you need to be really good. That's my theory. Or some kind of dramatic colors, then you better be. If you're bad and you wear bad colors or some kind of far out color, then it's not a good combination. And that was the case for San Diego. Yes. To go to your point, though, would be the Oakland A's, who had revolutionary colored uniforms and were very good. Yep. I'm trying to remember some of the old San Diego Padres from those days. Cito Gaston? Well, uh, Cito, Tony Gwynn? Well, no, not in those days. He not was yet? a baby. Okay. Cito Gaston, Nate Colbert. Uh... Yeah, that was their two. Those were their two. Cito Gaston was the guy <laughs> I was trying to think of, who became, of course, a uh, fairly successful manager as well. All right. So you grew up near Wrigley Field, but you were. Now, how long have you been a White Sox fan? Is that. Last five, ten years, or all your life? My whole life. My whole life. I just liked them being kind of the uh, anti-Cubs. They were kind of the you know the black and white, kind of like people love the Raiders because they're unis in the day. I just liked, I, you know, all my friends were, were Cubs fans, so I just was Mr. Opposite. I decided to adopt the Sox, um, even though they weren't, they weren't nearly as good, believe it or not, as the Cubs in the or late 60s. Um, the Cubs were the, you know, the premier team with the names. 
Yet the three no hitters that you saw were all Cubs no hitters. Well, well, Wrigley, yeah, right. because I live I, I live very close to there. Oh, okay, you I can pop you. on the you can pop about pop on the L yep. and go three blocks and be right there, which I've always loved. One of the problems with the Sox is, and I'm not going to get into complaining about the attendance. I hate doing that, and I won't do that. Is in fact, if you're drawing from the suburbs, it is a real pain to get down to a seven ten start. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, the Cubs. Anywhere, basically, in the north or anywhere, you can get on the L train for $3 round trip, and you're literally a block from the stadium, and you can take the L back. So you can enjoy the nightlife, the mm-hmm. bar life, and there's so much more to do around the stadium. I'm not a guy who likes to sit there for nine innings. I get way too restless. <laughs> so after about after about the fifth, fifth pitch, I'm about looking looking for somewhere to go. <laughs> a true baseball sounds like a true football fan actually just attending a baseball game just to figure out where the uh, local specials might be that was cool yeah. though but you, but you were at the milk pappas no hitter which is one of the most famous of all time because actually it should have been a perfect game right yeah it was it, um who's the controversial umpire bruce um, wasn't it bruce Fremming? bruce Fremming. um it came down to uh one pitch yep and um, I was three and two count, and it was a borderline pitch, and he called it a ball, and Pappas threw a fit, and got the next guy to pop to second base, and it was a no hitter, and everybody was thrilled. But you know, the perfect game would have been, mm-hmm. of course, is is really you know is a complete rarity. Yeah, and, and, um, and in this case, I think Mill Pappas had a, a. I remember watching. I remember watching on TV, and, you know, you as an umpire have to have the common sense that if it's close, if it's close, ring them out. I mean, obviously, if it's a ball, you call it a ball. If it's close, there's no doubt about it. You ring him out, and Bruce Fremming tried to squeeze him, and uh, they showed the replay over and over again. Mill Pappas, in my opinion, uh, and, of course, that has stood for many, many years. We're still talking about, what was that, about 30 years ago, maybe 35? Yeah, and you know what? If you see interviews with him, and he's very much alive, very much aware, is he is as bitter about that now as he was 30 years ago. Has he, Bruce Fremming he, ever done interviews? Yes, he's completely dismissive of it. He just laughs. And Pappas, every time he sees that, you can see literally, mm-hmm. it's like the old monsters. You can literally see smoke coming out of his ears. I'm with Pappas. I'm with Uncle Milty. If Bruce Fremming would have apologized... And said he made bad judgment. He should have realized the situation. Looking back on it, I could let it go. But if Fremming has that kind of attitude now, I'm I'm all with Uncle Milt. Inexcusable. I thought it was a bad call. If you if you go by your logic, which I do, uh, Coach, you look at it. <laughs> you could go to YouTube and watch the replay. It was strike three. Yep. Come on. Yep. Well, it's like uh, what was the we had a no hitter or was it a perfect game two years ago? When the umpire at first on a bang bang play, he just blew the call, and yep. he went in the locker room. He watched the replay, went out to the press conference, and he admitted it right up front. And I, it was, I think, two years. It was very recent, either two years ago or last year. But uh, you know, in that case, hey, the guy was cool about it. I think they had a, another game the next day. The two guys, the pitcher and the uh, umpire, shook hands. He just flat out blew the call. He handled the situation as well yes. as he could ever handle the situation. That's what I remember people saying was it was quickly forgotten yep. because of how well 
the umpire and the pitcher and everybody went about it. Yep. That's exactly right. Exactly right. All right, Pigskill, we got you for about uh, two more minutes. I know you took charts and notes in preparation for this particular show. Any sports items that we did not get to that you'd like to uh, matriculate with the outstanding two guys and a mic fans out there? Well, if, I mentioned this again. If you're a certain age, even if you're not, the uh, there's also an article in this week, this year, this month's uh, GQ magazine, an interview with members of the Dream Team, the NBA Channel Dream Team. It's an hour and a half special with with um, previously unseen footage and interviews that have never been seen, including practice uh, footage. Very good footage. It's not raw, grainy, eight millimeter footage of the first and second practices where they scrimmage against a group of college all-stars. There's a great backstory to that. They got killed by the college all-stars, and there's backstory to that. I won't I won't let that out of the bag. Um, interviews, recent interviews with all the stars, some really, really revealing interviews with Michael Jordan, Magic, Larry Bird. Um, there's really interesting things that David Stern has to say. Russ Granite, Rod Thorne, who were in charge of the NBA then. And if you're a history buff of basketball, this is all very new stuff. It's just an hour and a half that is just the most entertaining television of the summer. Hmm. And it's being replayed over and over in a loop on uh, NBA TV. I know a lot of people don't get it, but if you get a chance, uh, watch it. You will not be disappointed. Beautiful. Good advice. You got me convinced. I got it marked down on my notes. I will make an attempt to do that, by the way, we put our own, you know, everybody talks about greatest players of all time, endless argument. I thought I thought we did a hell of a job. We put together our own dream team of the best NBA players ever, Pigskin, and nobody's put a guy into the category that I think fits. I think we've got the top seven all time greatest basketball players. See if we're missing anybody here. We want Wilt, Russell, Jabbar, Magic, Bird, MJ, and Oscar Robertson, the best seven ever. And you can talk about some other guys, Jerry West, Elgin Baylor, Julius Irving, Carl Malone, but I don't know that I think those seven stay in the top. Are we forgetting anybody? Well, you've hit the big ones. Um, you've, you've hit the Kareem, Will, um Michael, Magic, and... Um, Bill Russell. Well, yeah, but even though it more is, is Oscar Robertson was, for his day, even today, he averaged a triple-double almost every yes, day. Yes, that's why some people might question, Three. well, does Oscar yeah. quite at that? I think I think Oscar Robertson does. And again, I don't... I saw him play at the tail end of his career. But I, so did I. think I think he's great enough to be in that, in that top seven. Yeah, some people say Shaquille... Eh. Yeah, exactly. Not with Oscar Robertson. I yeah. think you have to be a certain age. I saw him with the Bucks when he and him and, and Lou Alcindor and Kareem were won their championship. Clearly, the end of his career. Very good. Not not Oscar great. Mm-hmm. But um, what I've read about him and 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 you look at his stats, coach, he is in the top five. Has to be triple double almost every game. Yeah, so I, I I have not heard an argument, and I, I've never seen lists that list, you know, the Super 7, that seven guys really have elevated themselves above the rest of uh, other NBA players. I think we picked out the seven, and I would say 
Kobe Bryant and LeBron James current players at the end of their careers, those two could make it a super nine. Yes, David. Tim Duncan's above both of them, in my opinion. Above both of who? Uh, Kobe and... Really? Yeah, LeBron. But, yeah. but Tim, yeah. Tim Duncan might be... Basically, what's your, your thought real quick? I would. Tim Duncan's the closest. I don't think he's there, but he's the closest to that top seven. I agree with Dave. Oh, he, he is right on the... Right, right there. Right there. Just above Dennis Autry. <laughs> oh, good. If you're talking greatest afros, yeah. Hey, Pigsky, we appreciate on short notice stepping in, my friend. We will touch base. And uh, like you said, football's 24-7, 365. Uh, bear football. Won't be long, brother. Anytime, brother. And, John, I really enjoyed the morning. Enjoy your show, Dave. And, uh, Coach, thanks a lot. Thank you, Pigsky. All right, we appreciate everybody for... Uh, Listening to this uh, sometimes occasionally dysfunctional program, we appreciate your hanging in with us here on the Two Guys and Mike Show. We'll do more dysfunction tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Don't be late and have an outstanding day, whatever you might be doing.